Okay. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 28. 28, we got it right. Yes, and today we are joined by Miss Play for Promise, Miss Raquel. Uh, she is a, are you, in the, are you in Brooklyn or the Bronx? No, I'm in Manhattan. 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 Okay. It's the Manhattanite, very loud, proud. We can relate, we'll relate to that. Yeah, no, I lived in Manhattan for the last 11 years. Yeah. And then uh, we're sort of, or still, I guess I'm technically still there because yeah. we haven't actually left the apartment. Tech, not 100%. Technically. Yeah, it's, so it's, we're kind of in, it's a process for us right now. And my landlord doesn't like to respond to communication. It's very weird because I haven't, I haven't paid rent since March of 2020. Yeah. Um, but my landlord is like very hard to get in contact with. They don't like to respond to emails. They don't like to respond to phone calls. So, yeah, you know, no, the, the lockdowns definitely like overturned our lives, you know, like, like everyone else and forced us to make certain difficult decisions and, you know, opportunities started to dry up. And we also, we knew the passports and all that stuff was on the way. You know, we were talking about that for well over a year and people called us nuts and we're like, Hey, it's going to happen. Just wait and see. And then, you know, eventually just got to a point where things got more dangerous. Hell's kitchen, especially got more dangerous graffiti mm. spreading everywhere like we were talking about caitlin earlier she got like almost accosted by a guy with a knife and stuff last may wow or last may the may before that you know so it's just like things really started to escalate and take a downturn and we saw like we're like all right this is not going to stop they're going to drag this on it's going to get worse and you know we would leave and come back and leave and come back and every time we would come back to the city it wasn't better you know like more things were closed more homeless were on the streets and yeah there's a lot of young people out now and they're partying and all that but anyway so you're partying with their face coverings yeah so you're you're living in manhattan right now and you've also been involved with the activism and stuff that's been going on there regarding the mandates and all of that so that was one of the main reasons i really wanted to talk to you on the show but also brent and i wanted to talk to you about i guess your work in, in pediatrics and that sort of thing too so, you know, first, you know, tell us who you are. Like, you, I guess, are you born in New York City? I know you're Puerto Rican, right? So. And plug your social media too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, um, my name is Raquel, born and raised in the Bronx and then left okay. at a pretty early age and then came back. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a New Yorican, but um, I don't have as much of the edge as most of uh, the New Yorkans I grew up with. <laughs> um yeah and I'm a pediatric occupational therapist uh and I've worked domestically and internationally volunteering and wanting to help as many families and children as possible um and now it's it's like these families need so much more support with everything that's happening you know the um the safety nets that were there the the networks that were there are not there to the same extent. And uh, a lot of families feel isolated, um, confused, not knowing what to do. So I, I do my best to kind of bridge the gap. Um, you run a nonprofit, right? It's called Play, I have Play for Promise. Um, it's not as busy as I'd like it to be because of the measures, the, the COVID measures. Um, I would want to shelter. Sure. Yeah, what was that? It's very restricting. It's very restrictive. So I would go into shelters and I would talk to parents uh, about the developmental milestones from ages zero to three, well, zero to five, but focusing more on zero to three because yeah. that's when 
most brain development happens. It is. It so is. I would talk to these mothers, because um, it was mostly mothers, and uh, they struggled. It was, uh, you know, they, they had generations and generations of trauma and abuse. So that was, this is my attempt to really try to break that cycle and make sure that the next generation is stronger and they don't go through the same um, heartaches and, and problems, right? So now with these measures, you can't go in. You can't go in. And, um, you know, I, I tried doing it via Zoom and it was very difficult. Uh, you know, a lot of the moms felt overwhelmed by being on Zoom. Um, some of the moms um, that I've worked with, they, they're on methadone. So I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with methadone. I'm not, so, that might be. Yeah. It's uh, basically like a, a way to wean yourself off of heroin addiction or okay. severe uh, I, Okay, I remember you, didn't we? Yeah. We talking about this not too long ago, I think. Yeah, there was, yeah. A, there, was a methadone, there was a methadone clinic right across the street from where we were. And then it actually closed down, right? At like 57 and 10 there. there was right. But they end up getting addicted to it for the rest of their lives. It's just, right. as, yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous that that's even an option when there's so many other options. Yeah. But um, Big so you know, I would have mothers who were high while I was doing these, exactly, while I was doing these sessions. And, you know, since I was physically there, I could walk up to them and just kind of, you know, rub their back and be like, you doing okay? Do you need me to repeat anything? I'm here for you. I can, I can do that via Zoom. And that, that physical touch too is something so taken for granted, like, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where like, you need to like hold babies from what I understand when they're oh, first born, yeah. because if you don't, they can like die. Apparently it's like that physical touch is, you know, amongst humans is integral to making like connections, exactly. showing people like you're, like you're saying, when you're sympathizing with them, et cetera, it comforts them. You mm-hmm. need to be able to hug someone and comfort them. You can't do this, these things to a screen, you know, like you can't, Mm-mm. it's, um, it's really tough because I'm, I'm also very affectionate with the kids that I work with. If they want a hug, I'm, I'm never going to deny them a hug. Yeah. You know, um, even when I working in the schools, cause I, I work multiple jobs, by the way, not just in the schools. Um, you know, the teachers would say, you know, you have to ask for a hug first. I said, yeah, well, let's help them find a way of expressing when they need a hug without being very like, no, you have to have it this way. So I was I was a substitute teacher for about five years, actually. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a chunk of my life. Um, I thought about becoming full-time for a while until all of this kind of made my decision for me. And I, you know, decided to go a different route. But yeah, when, when I first started substituting and we had to do like a training session to get certified and all of that, they were very adamant about that. Like you just, you never touch the kids, period. Um, even to the yeah. point where they're like, if they break out and there's fight in the classroom, like you still don't touch them. You go. Yeah, that's different. You that's call different. security, all that stuff. But it is different. But I'm like, there are certain situations where like if the fight is getting serious or someone could get like hurt, like I think a teacher should be able to like step in at a certain point. But yeah, that's just me. But a lot of that, it just has to do with liability and lawsuits and that. And that's exactly. Thing. I was in that situation before and I, I didn't even do anything. There was a, a, a student he was in middle school. This is why I won't work in middle school because they're my same size or bigger. <laughs> so, and, and I love, the, I love the little kids. Yeah. I love their seventh grade. Yeah. Crazy. Like, yes. Six, seventh and eighth. It's so crazy. Um, in particular, there's something about that, like in between, like the, first, yeah. 
the sixth graders, they're kind of like the noobs still. The eighth graders, a lot of them chill out because either the bad ones are out already or like a lot of them are like in this mode of like what comes next. So they're too busy worrying about that. But those seventh graders, man, they're nuts. They're really pushing the boundaries. <laughs> right. Well, the thing is, is um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with um, like the brain balance, you know, the hormonal balance, but around 12 years old, it's like they can't even make sense of their own brain. Their mm -hmm. hormones are all over the place. So uh, they can't really help it, you know? And then you have the environment that's not helping. You have the, the foods that they're eating that isn't helping. You have past trauma because, you know, I was working in the Bronx at the time. Inner, so inner city kids is, is a different ball game. Yeah. You work. Yeah. I haven't worked in suburban school, so I don't really know the difference. I worked at it. I worked in a gifted and talented school in an inner city. And that was a different ball game than say the other schools within the inner city. But I've worked in a lot yeah. of different schools and in, in Elizabeth in particular, New Jersey. Oh, so yeah. it's very similar to the Bronx over there and to Washington Heights. It's a similar culture. Yes. Latino, you know, I, I would say maybe 74, 75% Latino. But yeah, inner city kids go through a lot at home. And one of the things about the lockdowns that really concerned me immediately as soon as they were announced was I knew kid, I knew kids personally who had very difficult home situations. And the first thing I thought of was like, wow, you're going to confine all of these kids to that situation now indefinitely. And as much as they complain about school and school, you know, really does suck in many ways and kids just, oh my God, I hate it. Some won't even admit it, but at the end of the day, it is like that seven hours they can get away from that situation at home, you know? And that's really, that's so freaking important. And I don't even think like, did they consider these things when they closed everything down? Probably, I think, I think the people in power know and they just don't care. All the other people like us, normal people who went along with it, just we were, they convinced all these people that, oh, this is for the greater good, it's for the better, not even thinking about like, oh, are there going to be long-term consequences for what we're doing with the masks, with the lockdowns, with isolating kids, especially mm -hmm. inner city kids, you know, with abusive parents, alcoholic yeah. parents, drug addictions, sexual abuse, like all sorts of things, you know, that it's just, it pissed me off. <laughs> I was really mad very early on. I'm like, this is insane. Why are we doing this? Like, no, I agree with you. Um, and it, it got me down a lot um yeah. because i'm very sensitive i'm i'm very empathic Same. and I, i'm an artist so and a poet it like comes with the territory exactly. yeah so you know it, it was really hard um for me and i i just that's when i i literally had to meditate and pray more because i couldn't physically do something i couldn't all i could do was literally send them love that feeling of helplessness is yeah. so shitty. Like I couldn't even say, there was all these students I didn't even get a chance to say bye to. That's the only mm -hmm. thing that closed everything so abruptly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I was doing a long-term position. I was teaching art high school and I did that for the whole year, basically about seven months until they shut everything down for that school year of 2019 into, into 2020. And man, I bonded with so many great students and stuff. And like some of them found me on social media and all that, but a lot of them, like I just didn't get to say bye to, didn't get to like tell them like, hey, you guys helped me. Like I grew from this experience with all of you. And nope, they just shut it all down. They sent everyone 
into their little cubicles. And, and now, you know, for months and months and months, they kept everything closed. And then when they finally opened it, they like, for some reason, only let teachers back into the building to virtual teach in the building, all the kids who stayed home, even though the kids are not the ones in the risk category, but the teachers are, but they still had to come into school yeah. for some reason. And then as soon as one of them tested positive, they shut everything down again and sent yeah. them home to, for the teachers to teach virtually again. So what was the point of even having them come back into the building to begin with? Um, it, the whole there thing wasn't. Was, I mean, I didn't, I, my school didn't do that. No um, they had- well, It was different city to city, district huh? to district. It was a little different, you know? And like, I think not, it depends yeah. by school too. Sure, because, not everyone handled it the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because um, they needed the space, um, the principal at my school was like, if you're teaching remotely, you're, you're going to do it from home because we need your classrooms to kind of make sure that there's less kids in each room. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not thrilled with certain things my principal is doing, but then at the same time, she's handling things extremely well in other cases. Um, and it's I know it's a lot to juggle. Like everyone, huh? everyone's job is being threatened. So it's like their job is being threatened by their higher up, you know, and, exactly. and that person's being pressured by someone above them and then you right, have right. yeah so it's like i get it their hands are tied but man i i really wish i, I would have loved to have seen more of these principals as leaders of their schools step up and say um no i'm not i'm not enforcing this i'm not doing that people they don't want to risk anything no one wants to sacrifice everyone's just yeah. and that's why it keeps going it drags on and on and on it's right right not willing to stand up maybe take the fines maybe be at risk of being fired maybe you have to file a lawsuit who knows the point is if you're not willing to go through that fire this won't end it's going to continue They'll just continue it yeah. and look where yeah. it's going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Yesterday, I learned of a, of a principal who went along with everything, even though she didn't agree with it. Yeah. She would actually send, like, if she had a, a teacher who thought differently than the mainstream narrative, she would say, okay, you know what? You may want to follow this person on Instagram. Okay. So she was trying subtly. Yeah. So yeah. she was, yeah, she was on the download, but she took the shots and she had a stroke immediately after. Oh my fucking God. Wow. And she still, she can't speak the same. She can't oh walk. Oh my God. That is, wow. But no one's talking about it. I heard about it from someone else. Yeah. Who is related to her. Yeah. And I'm like, why isn't she saying anything? And, and he's like, because she's scared she's going to lose her job and she needs, to, I'm like, but she's already lost her health. And then they're gonna impose the third one. They're gonna impose the third one. So what's gonna happen to her then? Did you talk to her at all since then? I didn't. No, this was I just learned about her last night from a friend. That's so crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. And then what's gonna happen? It's happening all the time. But it's, it's happening like, left, right, and center. I think there are a lot of nurses too, and I think that's part of why a lot of them are leaving. Is a lot of them don't know what to do or don't know what to say. And aside from the mandates, I think a lot of them are seeing things that they are afraid to talk about, you know, and mm -hmm. just a lot of them are just leaving. They're leaving the medical profession, you know? Or yeah. Or yeah, there, I mean, there's going to be underground stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, something that I, I, I hope you guys can do is uh, find someone who can help people become nationals. I'm not sure if you're in, if you know the difference between being a national and a citizen. No, no, 
Um, so I, I'm, I'm not well versed in it, but it's very important when you are a citizen, you're subject to all these laws, right? Um, and so basically you are kind of um, owned by the US corporation. Okay. So when you're a national, you're not. So mm. you're above that and you could say no, but you have to know the laws. You have to know the constitution really well. I mean, it's a constant study. But I, I would encourage you to um, interview someone who is well-versed in it um, because that's one way we fight um, and we maintain our, our sovereignty. So people who are leaving the profession, they, if they choose to go that route, they can continue practicing. They just need to know the laws really well. So when they're approached by people who don't know the laws because we've all been brainwashed, all of us, um, when, uh, a police officer, some government official comes in, you could say, no, th these are my, these are my documents. Here's, here's the law. Here's this, here's that. You can't touch me. You can't touch me. I'm not a citizen. You can't touch me. So that's so one way we're going to have to fight, honestly. Um, and that's a route that I'm, I'm taking. I, mean, I, mean, I feel like I've heard of some of this stuff, especially in regards to the corporation thing that each individual is kind of considered a corporation upon birth. I think they call it maritime admiralty law, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm somewhat yeah. familiar with this stuff. But yeah. Yeah, the, the difference between national, na what did you say, nationalism? or National, being a national, national citizen. Or, but that's what I think. A lot of healthcare providers are going to have to, I mean, I think we're all going to have to take that route. A lot of people are scared of doing that route, but it's just like, we're in limbo in every way, shape and form. Why not risk it in a way that's going to be more favorable, right? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, it's a, good a lot of the doctors are going to have to start doing things like that. So that way they can continue helping people um, yeah, so and not subject yeah. to these BS laws. On that note, on that note, the first video I saw from you, which Caitlin had sent to me, was the one where you talked about a meeting with one of your doctors, I think it was, and you guys mm -hmm. had a sort of behind closed doors, private conversation about her feelings regarding the mandates, regarding I guess, things she was seeing. You know, could you talk a little bit about that or maybe retell that story a bit yeah, sure. talked about on that video? Because that was kind of what put, put you on my radar. I was like, yeah, this is crazy. And it made me wonder how often is that happening too? And how many other doctors behind closed doors are like taking people aside and being like, hey, I don't trust this, this or that, but I can't say anything because my license yeah. is threatened now, et cetera. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. It's, it's happening everywhere um very very few you're lucky if you can get a medical exemption um so with this particular doctor she is a great doctor she um she's originally from russia uh so she understands so right she completely understands and she goes it's all the, the same hallmarks all the same hallmarks that i escaped um, so she was writing exemptions because she believed in them. She, she knows that there's so many things in this intervention that are, that people are allergic to because it's not meant for human consumption. So she was writing exemptions, right? So when I go, if I had gone a week earlier, it would have been different. What shifted 
that's dramatically too that just the no, can make that amount of difference you know what happened the speech biden's speech yes yeah or so, you like to use yeah. the numbers right so we'll say 46's speech right exactly so <laughs> that, i don't even call them by their names anymore no, like you get mad at me because i'm like 43 44 45 <laughs> like and they're not even worthy of being by their name. They're not. They're that's, all the same. That's, right? I think so. I so, um, so when 46 did his speech and said that, she said that um, doctors were emailing each other and getting calls and getting emailed saying that if they write another exemption, they would lose their license. Wow. Oh, God. So she, I, I, she felt very comfortable with me. She literally closed, she brought in her two nurse practitioners. She closed the door and had a very candid conversation. And she took the shot because she wasn't going to be allowed to practice anymore if she took, if she didn't take it. And I'm like, but you know, you know, she goes, I know what's in them and I know it's not good, but I'm a doctor and I'm supposed to serve people that's so and if, and if i don't take this shot i can't serve people who need me evil man so i'm like but then what if something happens to you she goes i don't even want to think about it she goes i'm very i'm homeopathic i'm naturopathic i'm constantly doing things to cleanse and detox i think and I, but you know she might be okay i think if, if people do prepare the body in some way they'll have a bit of a fighting chance if something does they just wrong. maintain it but it breaks my heart that people like that are being put in these situations. It's like, yeah. wow, I have to literally like almost sacrifice myself and become like a, a test subject right now, just so I can stay in my position, help my community. We're and trying to do it to, to everyone. Like, We're trying to do it to and everybody. pressuring in all these different ways. You know, I think the tests, that's the big thing with the tests. I think the whole point of that is to just annoy people to the point of just getting the damn shot. It's, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so it, it was um, like, I felt for them. Like I wanted to cry because they, they all had their heads like, like this, like saying we, we can't even practice medicine the same anymore. Like we're, we, what are we doing? And I, I felt like their souls were hurting. And I, I even said it to the doctor. I said, I know your soul and your spirit are hurting. And she goes, yeah, yeah. Because this is not what medicine is about. It's not what this country is supposed to be about. Exactly. <laughs> it's so antithetical to what the hell this is supposed to be about. Yeah. So, um, and there's a lot of doctors like that. So my friend went to her afterwards and he has a very well-documented condition that if he gets any sort of clotting situation, he's going to die. Yeah. And he almost died like two, three years ago. Right. He's an amazing guy. My father to similar boat with the blood clots. Yeah. Um, and so he was in the hospital several years ago because he had uh, some condition that caused him to clot. Like something happened that it caused him to clot and he almost died. And it was something that most people wouldn't even have an issue with. So he went to her and she goes, I'm sorry, I, I can't do anything. And he was like, so then what do I do? He, she says, honestly, what it looks like, what? they expect you to do is take this medical intervention and if you have these clots and die they'll revive you that's it they'll do their best to revive and I was like that's what she told you she's like yeah she's very blunt like and I I agree with her like 
other doctors are not the same thing. They're going to say, oh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. True. Despite this history. I mean, he said, he's like, I will die. I will die. If I have even a slight clot, I will die. This is why so many are leaving. They're fleeing. They're, they have to make these decisions. You know, it's, yeah. it's literally life and death in a lot of people's it cases. It is. And just God, man, some of the toxic shit I see people saying on the internet about all of this too, like good, more room for us. Good. Stay home. Good. Good. It's like, they're so smug and they're so satisfied that we are all now going to be segregated and treated like mm-hmm. second-class citizens. They're so like happy about it. Almost gleeful. It's, it's evil. This shit that's happening right now. I don't care what anyone says. Like it's evil. But you know what? It's, it lets you know who people truly are. It does. It does. And it also helps you find the truly good people. Yeah, it's true. You know, so for me, through all throughout all of this, like I I love all my friends, you know, from the past. You know, they all they all had contributed something beautiful to my life. I but I always felt that there was something missing. Like we didn't always connect. Like there just wasn't that strong foundation of like 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 spiritual friendship, I guess you could say, right? A soulful friendship. It was more superficial. And um, through all of this, it was very cathartic. I let go of a lot of friends. Same here, man. And then all these other friends came in. Same. And it it was beautiful. And it is beautiful because I'm meeting more and more and we can have very candid conversations That's that this is. are uncomfortable. This is in a sense, yes. like just from doing the show and, you know, and the reason we're doing the show is because the world events and all of this stuff kind of pushed us in this direction, but yes. I aren't people who are just going to shut up. So the more people try to shut us up, the more we wanted to talk. And then mm-hmm. eventually it just got to a point where it's like, all right, well, we're going to like actually start doing this all the time. Now we'll just keep talking if you want us to shut yeah. up. And we've just talked to so many interesting people already and, and different types of people from around the country. And, and they're all open-minded free thinkers, but we, you know, we disagree on little aspects of what's going on, but we all sort of, I think, have this same value system of open discourse and, and free speech. Critical thought. Critical thought, the importance of the individual, you know, not being identified with, with say your identity group or whatever, like if you're gay or black or a woman or, or Latino or whatever, we're, yeah. we're kind of unified, we're past that. You know, we, we see those things and love those things about each other, but we're, we're not holding on to those things. We're looking something more deep, more human, you know, mm-hmm. that's what's bringing us together. So I, I'm, I agree, I'm making like, new friends in a way from all of this playing out and it's definitely separating the wheat from the chaff it's revealing like who's really going to be there for you and who's not um who you can be there for and maybe who you can't as well and just where's trustworthy and who will turn on you on a dime who you thought would always be there but also like who who will stand up in times like this and who will not and sometimes it'll surprise you who will cower that maybe you thought wouldn't right and and, and who and who will stand up that maybe you thought wouldn't stand up and I've been surprised I'm not going to name names or anything like that you know like you said I appreciate all my friends from the past and I love them and stuff but I also like I grew apart I had to distance a lot of them distanced themselves from me Mm-hmm. it is what it is but man I'm disappointed in quite a few people who I know who I thought maybe would resist or at least 
try or speak out in some way that didn't. And then I was surprised with other people who I didn't think would do that or who were like, say there for me or whatever that yeah. did. And I was like, wow, oh my God. You know, it's, it's like you said, it, it definitely reveals people. It shows who they truly are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I was, I was really surprised and I, I just love everyone that I'm meeting um, through this. I feel like I'm truly meeting my, my spiritual family yeah. um, uh, and whomever feels alone that they're not alone. Um, I'm, I'm be, I started doing more videos because people were saying, I feel alone. And then yesterday I went to an event with Dr. Carrie Madej was there. Um, yeah, you know who Dr. Carrie Madej? No. Oh my God. No, no. Oh my God. Oh, she's amazing. Her last name is spelled M-A-D-E-J. Carrie Madej. C-A-R-R-I-E. J. She's on Bitchute. I'm following her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I that you're like following her. I didn't even know. She's, she probably posted really something you like really huge. like. She's got like 80,000 followers oh, on Twitter. Cool. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Medicine physician. Yeah. Interesting. She's, she's a true miracle. She talked yesterday about how, um, you, do you guys know about thalidomide? Yes. Okay. I don't. So, so oh, it's, it was like a, there's basically like a, an experimental medication they gave people in like the early nineties and then it had all these birth pregnant mothers specifically. Yeah. Okay. And they were like, Oh, it's safe and effective for pregnant mothers. They and love that line. All okay. of a sudden the babies are having all kinds of birth defects. And then years later they were like, Oh, we were wrong. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. New, the new rule of thumb is whenever something is just repeatedly called safe and effective, safe and effective everywhere by the establishment, it's probably not safe and effective. Exactly. It's <laughs> repeat a lie. So I, so she was, I mean, I can go into so many options from that, but she, thalidomide um, caused over a hundred thousand children to be born with, ex, without extremities. Wow. So she, her mother was given thalidomide and then given some other thing that was poisonous and it didn't phase her. So she wow. is meant to be here and she was tight um and to speak to the whole thing of you know you repeat things enough um i studied world war ii i remember when i was eight years old and i first learned about world war ii and the concentration camps and how people were that's a young age i was yeah i was and but the thing is like i I, I was very aware of things that a lot of kids weren't aware of. Same. Right. So I was, you know, four, three, four years old. And I'm like, this person is sad. This person. And I would tell my mom, I'm like, this person's sad. And I want to take it away. And I don't know what to do. And my mother was just like, okay, you know, and so this is, I'm an empath, right? My mother was just like, okay, you'll get over it. Like, <laughs> like your mom's just like, everyone is sad. Yeah. Um, so you know, I was eight, and when I started learning about World War II, I was like, I need to learn more. So that I was fascinated with it, and I wanted to understand the psychology of it, and uh, like Goebbels. So Goebbels said, "You repeat a lie enough, people will believe it." So the whole safe and effective thing is a lie, right? And um. And I remember when I was 17 and, you know, we had this exam and it was on World War II and we had to get more in depth. I would sit with my teacher and I would say, you know, people are just, they haven't learned. They're so easily brainwashed. Look at this. Look at how 
my generation's acting. I'm looking at your generation. And we're going to get, this is going to happen again. This is, this is a 17. This was 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. I said, this is going to happen again. And then he said, I, I was the same way, by the way, at 17. <laughs> yeah. And I remember the, the teacher was just like, so yeah, you're not taking the exam. You understand this at a level. I, I cannot understand how someone this young really understands. He's like, just go, go to study hall. <laughs> it's an old soul. You have an old soul. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, and I just, I, it, it frustrates me that we have history in our face. Yes. And a lot of access to it too. Like more access to information than ever before. And we still being bamboozled into this lie. It's propaganda. And it's very sophisticated propaganda. Oh, too. Yes. They, they know exactly what they're doing. They put lots of money into researching the mind and understanding the public mind and crowd psychology and all of that. I have Brene's book here on my desk, Propaganda. It's like, there are sophisticated methods to molding the minds of the masses and the people in power mm -hmm. certainly know that. They know the research behind it and they will use any tactic in the book to mold the minds of the masses in whatever direction they need to try to do that. The thing is not everyone's always susceptible and you're going to have people like us who it just doesn't quite work on for some reason or yeah you know, we, we start to wake up from the matrix and the next thing you know it's like we're down the rabbit hole and we're like that's propaganda that's propaganda that's yeah. definitely propaganda <laughs> so and then it's just like so what but and then i question myself so what am i taking in that's actually propaganda not true so i'm constantly questioning myself well this is propaganda uh, too but edward bernays yeah. would say this is also propaganda in the sense it's like Propaganda is just propagating an idea, propagating something. Exactly. That's all it really means. And, and the methods by which you do that to get someone to think a certain way or agree with a certain way. So I guess this is, this is our anti-propaganda propaganda, I like to call it. <laughs> propaganda in which we expose propaganda. Seeking truth propaganda. Seeking truth propaganda. Yeah. Or just, right? uh, it's propaganda to propagate the understanding of propaganda. So more people yeah. can recognize it and, and see it you know, and not, and it won't affect them as much, but the people who are the most affected are the people who don't think they're susceptible. And, you know, anyone who, who thinks that they're somehow above being influenced by, you know, these sophisticated psychological methods of, of shaping your mind, like you're probably the most susceptible. Exactly. <laughs> we're all susceptible to some extent. And it's like, it's a process. Once you see it, it's a process of becoming less and less susceptible but it doesn't exactly. mean that you still can't be taken for a ride. And Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're all gullible to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we just hope that's not so easily gullible. <laughs> uh, and I'm just seeing how it's affecting kids. It's the kid right? aspect is the most infuriating part of it. it yeah, talk yeah. to us about that. So you, how did you get into pediatrics? Where did you study? So um, initially, so since uh, young, I said, I have to help people who need help. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I was a kid. Yeah. I, I was three when I said, I have to help people who are less fortunate. Oh, three. So um, and I was planning on, on studying child psychology and it, I just felt like it was too depressing. Like I couldn't have much of an impact. Um, and then I was going to study international relations and help families abroad, um, help 
like uh, families who were refugees and things like that. Um, then I was scared because I wasn't sure where they would send me and I'd be a vulnerable female. So I was like, what do I do? Then I got this job working in workman's compensation, like for an insurance company. Okay. <laughs> um, but I would really Sorry. help the people. Like um, a lot of that is um, they're unscrupulous. A lot of those companies are unscrupulous. They do whatever they can to make sure people don't get what they need to heal, right? Um, and to kind of push them to quit or something, right? Um, fortunately, I didn't work on those accounts that were that unscrupulous, but I made sure everyone was taken care of. Every one of my claimants was taken care of because I saw them as parents, you know, like they were parents. So if I do anything to hurt these parents, I'm hurting kids. Right, yeah. Right? So um, then I... I kept on getting these uh, medical bills, right? I had to look over medical bills for these people who were injured. And I saw occupational therapy. I was like, I've never heard of that before. So let me just research it. Let me Google it, right? And I was like, this is really cool. And I can do this internationally. And I can help people from all walks of life with, you know, you know, whether they're born with cognitive or physical disabilities or they had an accident. I can help so many people in so many ways actually be with them and have and find physical solutions versus talk therapy right being a psychologist I think that's awesome man that's that's such a great profession to get into yeah and Uh, I so my my mom has you know she has cerebral palsy oh really oh yeah you know so like physical mental disability and stuff is very much something that hits me on a personal level because you know, I grew up with it in my family. My father has mental illness as well. My uncle had schizophrenia. It's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. So my family is like, we've been through it. Daniel's had you know? the disabled experience. Yeah. Well, I didn't, but you know, just growing up with parents By proxy. weren't normal, you know, and it's just like, it's not an easy thing to deal with, but it do- I think it does make you more of an empathic person. You and so, patient you sure. and like I very much feel for any any of the special education classes I taught and stuff. And when I was subbing, like some of my favorite experiences were, you know, working with some of those kids with disabilities. And because they're, yeah. they're so sweet, a lot of them, and and they just they're really need to be more love. Some are yeah. angry, yeah, and and some are really angry because I think they start to understand the predicament. Like my mom deals with depression a lot and anger, and mm-hmm. even to this day, you know, nearing sixty, she's still angry about her condition, you know. And so that's like mm-hmm. that's part of the things I think you would be ending up dealing with too is like the psychology aspect of of those yeah. things too. And but just being poor, just let like, talk about the kids though. It's like a disability. Talk more about the like <laughs> mental things. Yeah, but what I mean is like. Tracked. My point is like my mom was born that way, you know. Yes, we know. Right, right. And, and so she she probably didn't get a lot of the support that she needed as yeah. a young child. Yeah, and, it wasn't and then something that happened to just, her. She was also a Cuban refugee. So yeah. she came here like on the boat. So my so point her. is she she's one of these these kids who who needed that support system, who needed that that extra help and assistance. And you know, it's why I think the welfare state argument is a really complicated one. And yeah. I understand the drawbacks to it. There are there are also people in our society who legitimately like need the extra help. And right, right. No, I and I totally agree. But it's also about being a a productive member of yeah. society. And I I feel like a lot of times they just kind of give you stuff to just kind of keep you quiet rather than oh yeah, really it's true. Your inner strength and power. 
it's true they they definitely didn't invest in giving her like consistent social worker and things like that like yeah she'll get like like you know social security and that that sort of thing and like food stamps or whatever but you know what my mom really needed was definitely someone more to like work with her to to teach yeah. her to 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 push her exactly. to encourage her I couldn't do that as a little kid because I was a little kid I needed all that stuff myself you know exactly so. exactly and then it just kind of it, it's again that like goes back to what I was saying with working with parents and shelters it's a cycle yeah but and, and so that's why I wanted to to do that because I, I like how I can I can help people have more um fulfilling lives um to the best of my abilities um make them feel nurtured and loved and hopefully they they continue to share that right so help them help themselves exactly exactly right help someone right it's like teaching people how to fish rather than giving them fish right yeah so i i um received i guess you can say divine confirmation when one of my claimants called me he's 86 years old i wasn't supposed to talk to him right? Because he had an attorney. Once you have an attorney and when you're in workman's comp, you got to communicate through the attorney. Okay. So he called me and I was like, I I can't talk to you anymore. You have an attorney. So I'm so sorry. And he goes, no, 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 no. I have to talk to you. (laughs) And I was like, okay. He's like, it's not about my case. And he says, Raquel, I'm worried about you. And here I was, I was in my twenties at the time. And I'm like, why are you worried? He said, because I can tell you're a good soul. And you're in this profession that's going to make you jaded. And he's like, I'm scared. He's like, I don't want you to do this job anymore. He's like, please listen to this 86 year old man. I love it. I love it too. And that same week I had just gotten two letters of acceptance into grad school for OT. Wow. So I said, you know, I'm glad you called me. You just gave me confirmation. And um, I'm going to share that I just got accepted to to these two occupational therapy programs. So I'll be leaving this job in two months. Wow. And he was so happy. He said, I'm an old man and you just gave me such joy. Thank you so much. So for me, that was divine confirmation. That's that's the universe saying like, this is where this is the path. This is heading in this direction. Universe giving you like a big glowing red signpost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, go. And so from there, I was in Miami, I went to school in Miami and um, just wanted to keep on working with kids because that's, I, I just, I felt so much joy um, and it's just so innocent, you know? Um, and that's what I did. I just started working with kids. I started also working with older adults, but mostly kids. And it's so interesting to see that, you know, people at the end of their life and people at the beginning of their life. And, and you le- I learned so much and the older adults would impart so much wisdom that helped me with the younger kids. Um, it really is uh, a cycle, like, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's Especially, incredible. like, it's always interesting to think, like, you know, when babies come out, how, like, helpless they are. They need you. And when you get old, man, you start to, you basically revert back to that. You become more, yeah. more helpless and you I mean, need it, help. Once uh, it's like it says it in the Bible, and I'm not like a, like a, a Bible beater or anything, but there was raised Catholic. Yeah, where um, it says once a man, twice a child. 
Okay. Right. So you were born a child. And then when you are older, you are more like a child again, where you need support. So I, I you know, was it, it's like what walks on four legs, then two legs, then three, I think it was. Oh, I, I don't Which know. It, that one. It's a, it's a man. It's the Sphinx riddle. I think it's from Oedipus. What walks on four legs, then two legs, the third being a king, then three. So yeah, the third being a ah, king. No, I didn't know that one. So, so they have that line too, where it's like the, the, a man becomes a father and then the father becomes a son or something like that yeah yeah so it's it's the, the whole cycle and i i was able i was the one in the middle right i was working with the kids here i am i'm the parent to both to the child and to the older adult yes yeah, so you're seeing the 360 degree yeah 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 and so you know seeing people at the end of their life um and then imparting their wisdom, it was it was incredible. I, I worked with this one man, and he he lived literally blocks from where I live. Uh, he lost his ability from the neck down to move. Oof. And it was all he did was it was something simple. All he did was like bend down, turn his head, and he heard crack. Oh my god! Yeah, the stretch people. This is why you gotta stretch. It's really it's really important. Stretch people. Exercise is important. Yeah. So I remember when I was working with him, he was so funny. And I was like, I, I was like, I love your, your sense of humor. He said, my sense of humor is all I have left. If you lose your sense of humor, you're no longer human. He was like, so please remember that for the rest of your life. It's true. I agree with him. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I remember that and I'm a, I'm a pretty serious person, but sometimes I just, I have to break out and just be silly because I, I remember his word. Especially now with all this stuff going on right now, it's like if you if you can't laugh right now, you're not you're not going to make it. Also, humor is a potent weapon. Yeah, like it's like a hot weapon. Like you can you can write you know a joke that pokes fun at the system. You can write a little bit of sarcasm. Yeah, satires. It's and it's it's much more potent and powerful than any sort of act of physical violence. And this is what I think the the sort of radical left really doesn't understand yeah, it's why they can't meme it's why the other it's why the other, <laughs> but you have to you have yeah. to take you have to have a little bit of levity you can't yeah. take yourself so seriously and the people that do take themselves seriously and don't have that levity that comes through in their communication you're, you're right though i think humor cuts through the bullshit it does oh memes do that does. i think that's why like a really good meme hits people in a certain way and makes you laugh so hard it's because it it just it cuts through all the bullshit and like gets right to the point of something and kind of distills yeah. it into a really you know and it, it reaches you subconsciously more yeah. i i i feel like you know it's um yeah so a humor i use a lot and when i'm working with the kids i mean i have kids who get really upset and don't know how to make sense of what's happening because they're so dysregulated and i'll just do something as silly as possible, especially with my younger ones. It's easier with my younger ones because all I have to do is make a silly sound. They are so much easier to please the younger ones. Yeah, shifts it. So I'll have kids who are screaming and they're pulling their hair and they're banging their heads. And all I have to do is be like, <laughs> something that silly and pretend like I'm tickling them. And they just start laughing hysterically. And then they're waiting for me to do it more and more and more. 
So then they would pretend to get upset. They're not hurting themselves like they used to because they want me to do that. Yeah. And it just shifts it. So I, I would work with kids who they would have these tantrums so intensely, so often. And then it changed because their parents started using that same tool. I'm like, you got to be silly. Just be silly and make it's them socialized. laugh. It's a socialization thing, too. Like, Are you familiar with Jordan Peterson at all? I'm not... Jordan Peterson? Jordan Peterson, yeah. No, who is that? I'm going to make a note of that. Yeah, he's a uh, Canadian psychiatrist psychologist psychiatrist psychologist psychologist psychologist. yeah i don't think he writes prescriptions so he'd be so he's a psychologist um you know he got he got embroiled in a lot of political controversy in 2016 specifically over like the pronoun thing and all that stuff because he was very uh pro free speech god forbid right but his his main work is in psychology he's very much into like jung and and nietzsche and stuff like that but he also he talks about this uh Piaget is his name often. Mm-hmm. I think his, name, yeah. his first name, Piaget. Jean. Jean Piaget. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things he talks about too with Piaget's work is like uh, the research behind the like the play mechanism. And I think they did some studies on rats and mice too to kind of study the importance of that as a bonding tool. Yeah. And how it establishes, you know, the, the social hierarchy, but it's also a socialization practice. And humans very much operate under the same way. Like young kids have to play with each other and they have to learn yeah. the rules of games and how exactly. to operate in that, you know, how to share, how to be a good winner, how to be a good loser. Like, and there are so many kids that are definitely not getting that sort of attention, I think, from their parents, or the parents are just passing the tech over to them or the phone exactly. and they're not playing with them they're not they're not giving them that socialization that they're going to need to be a good player so then exactly. when they grow up you know they're they're good adults in the great yeah. game of life yes in the great game of life <laughs> definitely check out jordan peterson and his lectures because he he talks He's about this great he has this, this whole series of biblical lectures yeah. which before he was like kind of propelled to craziness, he was he was a Harvard uh, lecturer, his professor, and he did this whole series of um, biblical lectures where he interpreted the text of the Bible in a like sort of union psychological framework, yeah, like a psychological philosophical and analysis. It, basically, he describes the the like the stories as sort of like the origin of consciousness in man and how we learned to form coherent social units that are larger than our family and this whole process of becoming less animalistic and more like interpersonal and, and forming groups that are that were stable and high, stable hierarchies so he goes in this whole thing he's got a very good uh very good it's series cool he'll like he'll analyze the biblical stories but then he'll you know, wax poetic on He's very psychology too. and Piaget and like child rearing and all that. He'll go off into these like different tangents and like kind of connect it all together. Really? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta I, look him up. You would love him. I think you would really enjoy his work, especially the stuff he talks about in like early child development. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned those first five years, like those first five years are like integral. You know, the stuff yeah. that gets imprinted on a kid in those first five years. So when you think about like the last 19 months and all the stuff that we just subjected these young kids to, like we, we probably just, and I, I don't want to say we, because I don't feel like I'm a part of it. I very much resisted this shit, but everyone else who supported this crap. So not we, 
messed up a whole freaking generation of kids. And I'm, what are going to be the repercussions of that? What is this going to look like like 10 years from now when these kids all come of age? It's going to be crazy. So I, I, I do my best to transmute things as much as possible. Right. I do think I do worry about, yes, the negative impacts. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yes. My friend, my friend yeah. Gilly, shout out to Gilly, because he's probably going to listen to this later on his ride to work. Yeah. But, uh, he recommended a book to me by Bruce Lipton. I think it was yeah. called The Biology of Belief, I think was the name. Um, I don't know, but he's, yeah. he's written a lot of stuff. But he talks about how the first seven years of life are very important. And even the Jesuits, which we know the stuff about the Jesuits, right? About, with all this stuff. So, mm-hmm. They say, <laughs> I'm like, um, you don't want to go down that rabbit hole? We stick on that. Yeah, but they say, and this is speaking to what we're speaking about, the, if you give a child to them for the first seven years, they will show you the man. Okay. So 95% of what you get in the first seven years of your life is who you're programmed to be for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. So, I do my best to transmute this in that, yes, they, they could end up being more like automatons or there's going to be a shift in, com- in consciousness because the parents see how bad it is and they're going to do everything they can to thwart it and they're going to be powerful. I think both. I think both are playing. Yeah, you're going to have both, right? You're always going to have that. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of damaged kids who come out from from this, but there's also going to be a lot of kids who were put through a different regimen than say they would have gone through. There'll be a lot of kids that can see. Yes, or or you know, just I think I think the homeschooling stuff. A lot of that's going to be good, and it just. I like the aspects of, of parents taking more control back of their education for the kids. And, you know, you can organize play dates. There are ways you can socialize kids. They don't all need to go to public school. But now what they're doing is they're basically forcing a lot of parents to have to find these alternatives or subject your kid or yourself or whatever to an experimental whatever, you know? And, and I feel like that's, we were born with everything that we need. We choose yeah, to strengthen tools. it, right? We choose to strengthen our tools or not, right? So for me to kind of find a sense of, of reprieve and calm is that the universe is pushing us to wake up, to truly, you know, uh, sharpen those tools, to hone those tools. Um, and it's, some people are going to fall to the fray, right? And then others are really going to take this head on and, yes, become more responsible parents and, and rearing their children. Because I've been saying it for years. I'm like, parents, you have the power. Yeah. You have the power. You be more involved. Play. Right. Yeah. And, but now they're the ones that are going to have to really um, be everything to their children, how it used to be, right? Yeah. Where it was just... The family unit and the family unit took care, care of everything. What happens when you put that power into the hands of the state? And that's what a exactly. lot of these parents are starting to realize now. Like, this is what happens when you put all the power into the hands of the state. You got you to gotta take it back, you know? Like, this yeah. is why I think Florida is doing it right. And a lot of people, they're sure they're going to get pissed. They'll listen to all the propaganda, you know, hashtag death Santas and all that stuff. But yes, have you seen the, the, the purge? 
yeah. forever yeah. heard. Propaganda. I was like, this yeah. is disgusting. It's propaganda. It's got so obvious. They're trying so hard. Well, you know, what I was going to say is putting putting that power and that choice into the parents' hand and saying, you know, hey, you know, this is this is a, an area where I think the government did correct in stepping in and saying, look, we're not going to impose this decision on parents. And we're also, we're not going to let all these other places just impose this upon parents. It is the parents' choice. It's their choice, what goes into right. their kids' bodies, and their choice, what goes onto their kids' faces, you know, and if you're not going to provide them with adequate information, adequate research, all the stuff to assuage their fears or whatever, maybe if they're thinking about getting the shots, then then this is a violation of the freaking Nuremberg Code, this whole thing that's going on right now. Oh, for sure. It's oh, I'm so frustrated with people who don't know the Nuremberg Code. They don't. Oh, they have no idea. They don't shit about history. It's like, Jesus, man. Like, haven't you guys studied this stuff? You know how many doctors stood up in Nazi Germany? Like hardly any. I've not. seen it dismissed too, where people are, were, oh, that doesn't apply. That's not American law. And I'm like, do you uh, yourself about humanitarian yeah. rights? It's not a matter of American yeah. law. It's like, yeah. But you know, the doctors were the ones that supported uh, more of the Nazis. Yeah. They were like the biggest, the highest concentration of yeah. professionals. Yeah. Were the, and it's it's kind of it's and scientists. Yeah. Um, it's it's crazy. Um how all this is happening people you think are so intelligent and you're just like eh. yes. so you're smart but you're not wise and like I, tell I said people, earlier a lot of people who you know quite a few people who i know who i thought or had hoped would have stood up or saw past this stuff or through it you know did it yeah. it really like surprised me there's also this like this false consensus being generated by the media like infosphere where they kind of present that like, oh, well, all the experts and all the scientists agree. No, they, they don't. don't. They don't. There are agree. many loud, prominent, <laughs> yeah. qualified yeah. expert scientists and doctors They're and just nurses dismissed. that are all standing up and speaking out loudly against the entire agenda from start to finish. And they're just being dismissed with a rhetorical way and demonized. Wand. And demonized, not just dismissed, but like demonized, having their exactly. reputations tarnished, their careers tarnished. Like mm -hmm. it's nuts. So I kind of, I wanted to pivot a bit from there um, yeah. to back to like New York City and yes. kind of, maybe you can go on her Instagram, we can pull up some of those videos. But so you, you were attending some of the protests, correct? What's, yes. What's that been like? Which ones did you go to? What's the turnout been like? You know, have you seen any interesting people there and etc.? Always interesting people. Always interesting people also yelling at us from the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we, we have cops that walk with us and with everyone saying, you know, cops are pigs and blah, 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 blah with, you know, BLM. I've met a lot of cops who were, thank God for them being there because they would be people literally like going to physically assault us. Wow. And the cops would get in the way. Yeah. It would be the, the shield. And I, you know, I would walk up to them and say, I, thank you so much. They're like, listen, free speech, man. People have to respect that. And I respect you guys because you are going against the narrative and you're there helping us. Because a lot of the cops don't want this either. They don't. They don't. Same with firemen. And I have, you know, some friends who are firemen. And it's look, they're they're people, man. You you take the badge off, the uniform off, it's a person behind there. Obviously, yeah. there are asshole cops. Obviously, there are people who abuse their power, abuse their authority, abuse their position. But at the end no, of the day, man, people from five days ago. It's great. Yeah. So this 
when was this one? This was last week. This was Monday. Okay. Yeah, we so I, after we found out the injunction was not going to be um honored and the appellate court didn't want to hear it. They're like, oh yeah, we're not even gonna hear your argument, right? Mm. Um play, so play a little bit. I I literally was just gonna go just to to do a speech and leave because I'm the stress of all this um, is really um, causing my shingles to act up. Oh, no. So I like talk about it where like, I literally feel like I'm being zapped all throughout my back and I can't like move as well. Um, and so I, I said, no, I have to stay here. No matter, even if I don't feel well, I have to stay here and I have to be in this energy because we're all hurting right now. Yeah. Um, uh, and there was a lot of teachers who were crying and I'm just like, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. It's not going to be the same. We're going to be very uncomfortable, but this discomfort is only going to make us stronger. And so a lot of people think it's making them weaker and it's taking things away and it's an opportunity to really make us stronger. That's a good um, way to look at it. That's a great way to look at it. I got to say that to my teacher friend who, well, he's not a teacher yet, but he, he just finished school and got his cert finally um, over last summer. And it's just so disappointing because he worked his ass off. He went to school for years and years and years. He was preparing for all this. And then all this happened. And now, mm -hmm. you know, for him to continue working, you want to force him to take a test every week or get the jab. This is in New Jersey, by the way. Okay. And, you know, it seems like it's only a matter of time before Murphy is going to, you know, enforce the mandates completely on teachers over there. So he's in a position right now where he's like, do I stay and look for a job here or do I leave now? And it's just a bummer because he worked all these years and it feels like, at least to him, he feels like it's just kind of being snatched from him now. And school but, system's yeah. totally transformed, classroom, all that stuff. You've got to wear the damn thing on your face. Like you can't speak out against this stuff there or, or you're going to be, you know, ostracized and demonized by your colleagues, et cetera. Okay. You have to just pretend you're okay with it and pretend that everything's yeah. normal. You know, I had, yeah, I had a colleague tell me straight, straight up. I, I don't think those who didn't get the intervention should be allowed to work. And I looked at her, I was like, are you serious? I'm like, do you even know what people have gone through in the past? Like me, I'm actually injured from another EUA in, in medical intervention yeah. where um, I couldn't walk for three days. Damn. And I, my asthma has uh, got worse right after that. But I didn't put two and two together because the doctors were just like, no, you know, you're fine. You know, it means it's just working. And, you know, I was I was subject to white coat syndrome then and I didn't question it. But I once I started going to these naturopathic doctors and people who are truly healers, they were like, so this started uh, around this time. Like I can feel it in your body. It started around this time. And then working with parents and, and doing a lot of evaluations, parents would tell me, you know, after my child took this medical intervention, their asthma, they, they all of a sudden had asthma. One parent, their child took that same EUA that I took, right? This was over 10 years ago. And she said, my son was never the same after that EUA shot. So I meeting all these parents and I feel it was just the universe saying you were thinking correctly, you were misinformed and I'm going to show you that you were correct. So all these parents are telling me after this yearly shot and after this EUA, so you know the yearly shot that I'm talking about, right? 
parents are noticing a difference in their child. And then this EUA shot, a parent told me my son was never the same. The same EUA shot that I took. So I went to my colleague and I said, do you know when I took another EUA, I couldn't walk for three days. I don't know how bad it's going to be with this one. And I don't want to sacrifice my life. It doesn't make sense. No, it's not worth it. When I know what to do to take care of myself. Especially when all these months have passed and it's like, you've already taken the with the virus and you're fine, right? You're still here. I'm still here. Brent's still here. It's just, you weigh your risk, you know? And personally, why can't we be allowed to take the risk with the virus? Especially if probably we had it already and got over it. Or we're just young, healthy people. Who yeah. are going to be fine and no one has gotten sick from us. No one's gotten sick from me. No one's gotten years. sick from me. No one. Who's gotten sick from me? No one. I don't know anyone. I so, mean, I've been some people who had it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, been close yeah. to them. Like, but you know what? The thing is that they don't, the big like elephant in the room is there are other interventions you can take. Yes. You know, you can eat a clean diet you can meditate you yeah. can get good sleep you can drink a lot of water you reinforce can your, your vitamin system. d levels you can like all these oh, this is a big one though you know what I, I, do you guys um listen to sean stevenson at all uh not familiar the model health show? oh my god um you guys would love him what's his name um sean stevenson the model health show sean spelled s-h-a-w-n he talks about how a lot of people who suffered from the virus were dehydrated oh yeah i believe it were dehydrated and there were a lot of people who were going into the hospitals who weren't given hydration at all wow um and i know this first i mean people told me from their firsthand experience that they were not given any hydration in the The hospital the amount of medical malpractice that was already happening before yes. this virus. third leading cause of death you know so <laughs> and that's, and that's actually a very conservative that's conservative because yeah. that's number one when we think about it yeah. because they're not giving sound medical advice how many, those, how many of those heart de- yeah. disease deaths and how many of those cancer deaths were actually like a little they got terrible advice and that was point. before this you know now since the virus and lockdowns right, exactly. and all of that you just man the amount of medical malpractice that just took place is probably insane it's like I think it's, it's like at a, almost a genocidal level and there are other people using, oh yeah. using that same terminology, you know, but I, I, think, oh yeah. I think, I think because it's not as like organized seemingly or systematized, I say like concentration camps in that sort of way of or blatant, like with weapons and very obviously eliminating people. I think people just assume that, oh, well, that it can't be happening. You know, exactly. yeah. realizing there are all these subtle ways to reduce the population and kill people off. And, you know, and I think the point of the last 19 months was to do that as much as possible. You know, the virus was the first step. So whether they let it out or not, I won't say what I really, truly think. I don't know. We know it came from a lab, though, I most think likely. We're, we're already probably on the, the YouTube unfriendly. Whatever. So the whatever point is, first, <laughs> first, there was that. Then there was the lockdowns, which they, here. you know, they put under the guise that this social distancing, yeah, all of that quarantine was supposed to reduce the death, right? No, I think the point was to increase the death, right? Not through, not just through confining people, but increase depression, increase addiction, suicide. All and that. also make people more easily yeah. um, uh, vulnerable, like to, to anything that they hear. I mean, yeah. when you. But your immune system too. 
If you stay inside, you're not getting sun, tanks your immune system. If you're not getting hugs and social interactions, you're more stressed. That spikes your cortisol levels. So you're everyone's in everyone's in fight or flight mode the entire time. How the hell does that help your body fight a deadly virus? It doesn't. Doesn't. It doesn't. And then the third step was the shots. And I think the whole point of this was to just reduce as much as cut as much people out as possible. And also to see how easily um how easy it is to um take people over. Yeah. How how vulnerable we are, how gullible we are. There's a psychological. Um, what will they? What will the plebes, you know, tolerate? It's it was right. like a giant right. psychological experiment as well. I yeah. I agree. Oh, for sure. But sure. I, I again, about- I go back. I want to transmute it. It's you're going. It's it's literally separating the sheep from the wolves. You know, I like people choose to either give into it or choose to be strengthened by it. Right. Those are your only two choices now. Fair. Weaken or strengthen. Those are your only two choices. What path do you want to take? So your teacher friend who's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? Do you want to be weak or do you want to be strong? You want to be strong. That means you're going to work a lot harder. You're going to be even more com- uncomfortable, but you are going to be at such a level that you are untouchable. They cannot phase you because you're so mentally and spiritually strong. So which are you going to choose? Like your friend can move to another state. Your friend can start a homeschool. Yeah. You know, there's so, so many. Things we we did do. talk about some of those things and he's been, yeah. he's been bringing up the pod school idea for the, like the mm-hmm. last year, I would say, because again, we saw this coming, you know, we knew this was coming. We knew it was heading yeah. in this direction, but I think maybe it came a little faster than he or some others could have predicted but yeah, he, he's, he's talked about those options and I've said this, you know, similar things to him that basically all you can really do now is like either you just, you bide your time, you save your money, you make an escape plan, you, you just, you go do what you have to do to survive and you, and you start a new life somewhere else. You find a new teaching job, maybe start your own mm-hmm. private school business, something like that, or you stay and you fight, you speak out, you let them fire you, you, you organize with other teachers and friends who might be willing you know, to join you and, and you, you make some noise, you make a scene, you don't, you don't just go down with, with a whimper, but you got to do something. Otherwise, you know, the other option, those are three now. So the other option is you get the shot and you bend a knee and you just go along with it and you pretend it's fine. And he can't do that. People like him can't, can't do that. I know they can't. So it's going to come down to like, either he leaves or he stays and he and he makes some noise, but I don't. I mean, he can still leave and he can still make noise. He can. That's what that's what we did. You know, we kind yeah. of we had to do what we had to do. You know, but we've yeah. been making noise the entire time since April 2020. We've been make, making lots of noise and New York. It was just hard, man. We couldn't get people to organize. It's insane. Like it literally took these mandates for it to actually turn into more you know more momentum of people coming out and actually this but it's a shame that it had to get to that point when it's like dude we were saying this the entire time we were saying this was where it was heading where it was going to go and either we step up now or it's going to get worse yeah now it's gotten worse it's already here the mandates are already in place like new york city is not the same it's oh it's totally not the same i mean i see some remnants and it's like oh my city but no it's not the same yeah um but (laughs) you know it's it's, it just shows how powerful the propaganda is, right? But then it also, 
again, it's the universe, I feel, throwing our back up against the wall. We, we manifested this, whether we like to admit it or not. And I, and I could admit it, right? We manifested it. I agree, this. I think. We wanted this, we wanted that. And we separated ourselves from our true power. So unfortunately, we manifested it. But we are so powerful, we can manifest a shift. We can manifest our power. Again, you choose to give in, you choose to give up, or you choose to be strong. Those are, that's it. That, that's it. That's, it's that black and white. There is no in-between. And so many people are like, well, well, no, 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 no. no. There's no in-between. Not with this current situation, though. No. Mm-hmm. so you were going to tell us about mr sean stevenson yeah yeah, yeah. i'm so sorry so sean stevenson yes it's a podcast so yeah so he if you watch him follow him um he's got a massive following i think he's got like one of the if not the one of the top podcasts what was it called the podcast again the the model health show the model health show. is he um, is he on instagram he's on instagram he's I on youtube um he's on um iTunes, I believe. Uh, and so he's talking about simple remedies. Like he from he had a whole list of like 50 studies of how the face coverings don't work. And he had to take that down. Um, they don't like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it was, it was very powerful. It was very powerful. Um, and he, you know, he talks about simple things that we're not using such as hydration he said water is so important and that's something that people aren't talking about water sleep uh another great person to follow is dr tina i don't know if you guys follow dr tina she Uh, has a podcast that she just started recently as well tina t-y-n-a t-y-n-a um dr tina moore is that her yeah strength yeah resilience yeah. yeah, and then um, Bradley, Dr. Bradley Campbell. Oh, yeah, him, yeah, him. we follow him. Yeah. Leave yeah. it to the gays to have the cute guy, doctor. Of course. Yeah. We got we, him. We think Bradley's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> he's, him, he's, so, he's brilliant. I he mean, is, and yeah. he just, I'm like, oh my, how is this? And you know what is amazing how he shared when he was about nine, he had a, a head injury, right? Wow. And he was falling behind in school. He was going to be left back. He was, he, he lost his personality from, I think, a fall, right? It was some sort of traumatic brain injury. And he kept on going to these doctors, and I guess they were giving medication. And then he goes to a chiropractor. This is why I tell a lot of parents, you need to find a pediatric chiropractor. You need that on your team. And he was the first doctor that touched his head, made an adjustment, and he was back to his old self again. Wow, that's crazy. And that's why he chose not to follow the traditional MD route and he became a chiropractor and now a functional medicine doctor and all these other certifications. And he understands the body better than it's MDs. The body's so complicated. There's so many factors involved in in health. Right. It's why the body's intelligence. It is. And it's why it's so frustrating to see, you know, a, a natural immunity now being dismissed as like it's a conspiracy theory it just doesn't exist yeah. it's like your body doesn't already have the tools to deal with a virus like this right but also like there are all these things you can do to sharpen those tools to to make sure that they're working efficiently so you can hire your chances of not getting it or fighting it if you do get it anything but and not just all that was off the table 
anything. None yeah. of it was talked about. None of it was recommended. None of it. It was just keep away from people. Stay inside. It was even censored. put a mask on. Get a shot. That's it. Was it was censored. I got. One of my Censored. first one of my first bands on Twitter was in 2020 talking oh, about the D free one vitamin D yeah. and vitamin C and showing the studies on how it impacted uh, not not COVID-19 specifically but other coronaviruses and that it was shown to be very effective against you know like the SARS-CoV-1 version for example. Yeah. And I got a two week ban off Twitter for for talking about that. It's just like yeah. wow. And like, it, I, it's insane. I know. It's Yeah. So but the thing is is they don't want us to know our power. They've been doing this for centuries. They don't want us to know. We are incredibly powerful beings. Um, you know, and I, I'm reminded of it with my mother. My mother, so I had my appeal meeting the other day. Yeah, like, talk a little bit about that. What, what kind of appeal was it? What was it for? It was for my religious exemption. Okay. For like right. um, for the jab, the the, the one jab, that right. the doctor who wanted to give her unfortunately had to decline. Right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to to turn in both because I because I already knew I I had this injury from before. I definitely wanted to make sure that all my bases were covered. Right. Like for me, um, the divine, the universe, however you choose to see it, gave me that warning over ten years ago. Don't ever do this again. Right. Don't ever do this. And then meeting these families, reminding you, don't do it, Raquel. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Right. And then boom, when this happened, I was just like, I already had my warning. Yeah. I'm not doing this again. Right. So here, my mom is in Florida and I'm here in New York and a half an hour before my appeal, and I'll go into the whole appeal, but a half an hour before my appeal, my mom's like, you know, I'm, my name is Raquel and in Spanish, you know, they say Raquelita, little Raquel, right? So she's like, Raquelita, um, I feel like you need me right now. I'm here for you. I love you. Oh, mom. Just let me know if, if you need me. And I was like, mom, it's so funny that you're texting me. I'm actually preparing for my uh, Zoom appeal. I have it in a half an hour. And she goes, you know, at 930 last night, I heard you. And then I heard something talked to me so she's you know she's like god was talking to me and i had to get on my knees and start praying she's like so at 9 30 i was praying for you and for everyone who was hurting so that just shows how we're so connected and we're told that we're not we're told stay six feet apart you know rather than no connect because that's that's what makes you strong right it, it was amazing. And then a half an hour after the, the Zoom appeal, a friend calls me. She goes, I just felt like I needed to check in on you. What's going on? And I told her, I was like, I just had my Zoom appeal. She goes, yeah. I just, she was like, I was like moved. I had to call you. I wow. had to make sure you were okay. <laughs> There's so, something you know, to it, man. There's something to that, I think. We, we all communicate. We all have the ability to communicate telepathically. There's so we much all unseen. Do. There's a lot of unseen forces at work. I, I do believe that, you know, as much as, say, yeah. the materialist reductionist types. 
would probably mm-hmm. disagree with us here, but you know, I think there's something to consciousness and, and well, we don't spirit. understand. We, yeah. we don't understand. understand. There's so nothing much... about how the brain works. Yeah. There's it's constant. A mystery. There's there's energies coming and going yeah. that we don't even have words for in English that we haven't identified yet with our science because our right. science is so limited because we only have we can only detect what our instruments can detect. Measure. Yeah. So if there's something out there that somebody hasn't thought of or you know, they haven't developed the instrument to detect that particular frequency of, of radio wave or whatever it happens to be, you know, it, it's going to go unseen and unacknowledged by, you know, the mainstream culture and scientific establishments. Right. There's but you know what? We are the instrument. We are. Right. We think we need something outside of us to tell us because we've been told this, we've been beaten with this for how long? And we're forgetting that, you know, we have everything here. And here, mostly here, because our heart is actually stronger than our brain. Well, I think this whole thing is sort of like a like a transmitter and a receiver for consciousness. Totally. Yeah, and it's not that, totally. like, I don't think consciousness is this thing that's just born from the chemical reactions of our brain. I think it's like, it, it's a force in a sense. I think the universe is intelligent. I think consciousness is probably the underlying glue that's holding all of this together. And yeah. all physical manifestation of that is, is it's like, it's a, a receiver and a transmitter and you yeah. got to tune it. And if you tune it correctly, you can receive more, but if it's not properly cleaned out and taken care of or function correctly, maybe because of like a, a birth defect or something like that, it's like, we don't have that full access to that consciousness. So it's, we're gunking up the gears and stuff. We don't. Exactly. We're, we're gunking up the gears. Um, That's a good way like, of putting it. You gotta, you gotta keep the mechanism intact. So it's, it's receiving more consciousness. If that makes sense. Exactly. I worked, I worked with an Ayurvedic doctor last year. Um, Cause I said, you know, I'm going to take my health truly seriously. I'm not, I'm not going to rely on this and I'm not going to rely on this or this to, to help me. Right. Um, and so I go to the, to the doctor and she's like, if you don't take care of the physical, you're not taking care of the spirit. You need all of it to be they're linked. Yes. And so she's like, so I have to cleanse you physically in order to help you spiritually. And I, I, you know, I felt I've been feeling shifts throughout my life. And I think that literally opened it up more for me because I was cleaner, because I could receive more. Um, and people think that spirituality is just, you know, you're just spiritual. No, you have to take care of every aspect of yeah. your being. The body, but you have to work the mind out too. You have to study and research. That's all important too. You, you can't just sit there and meditate and Bodha mantra and think, okay, I have reached Buddha consciousness or I have helped awaken, you know, humanity. It's like, that's not how it works, man. It's like, you got to work on yourself. Persistently, persistently, you gotta, you know, maybe shift what you're eating, you know, maybe use the body more and make sure it's, it's in tune and intact, but also work the mind out, read heavy books, read interesting things, uh, have experiences, talk to people, you know, connect mm-hmm. with other souls and minds and, and feed your mind that as well. It's like, what food and when I say food, I don't even mean physical food anymore. I mean, like media, right? <clears throat> things you're yeah. reading, things you're consuming, things you're watching, all that stuff. I think affects your your spiritual health in a sense and yes it's absolutely thanks to the body for sure you know yeah absolutely so um and that's what i'm also trying to share with teachers but let me get to the appeal process on what the teachers are going yeah. through so, um there's a lot of teachers who have done medical and religious exemptions right 
Um, I wrote my religious exemption. I reread it to affirm my stance and also to strengthen me because I wrote it from the heart. Um, I looked at scripture and what speaks to me. Like for me, it was always about Christ consciousness. I didn't like going to church because I felt there was so much hypocrisy. And I would look at the pastor, I would look at the priest and I'm like, man, you, you were just yeah. a poser, man. You, like, Same story. You're not, you're not really walking being the Christ gay, I think right? being gay too automatically makes you sort of question, you know, the organized religions and all of that. But I'm with you. I'm like, I'm a very spiritual minded person and I, I don't restrict myself to a particular religion, even though I was raised. Right under a particular religion so right so like oh I went to Catholic school I was raised Catholic and, and I remember um I would ask questions and the nuns would be like you don't question God I said I think we are supposed to question God because yeah. it strengthens our conviction and why why would we have the ability to do it if God didn't want us exactly to I'm like I'm created in the image and likeness of God that means God's asking questions so why should God be asking questions but they didn't like that and they would be like, I'm going to call your mother. And since my mother was like, you pay attention, you listen, you don't, you don't question them. I was like, all right, I'm not going to argue with you. Right, but I, I'd be like, but this and that and that. And so from a very early age, you know, it was the Christ consciousness. How am I going to be the best person I could be? Because that makes the world a better place. Yeah. The questions. Right? Others. The questions, the knowledge. That's what I think brings you closer to God in a sense. It brings you. Exactly. Exactly. God wants us to know that's the point god is the all-knowing and in a sense by little reflections being little reflections of that is we are here to learn we're in a giant big school and we're one of the things we're learning how to do is to return to god that's and to prepare for death because that's what's going to do that well, i mean that there's a physical death but it's there's never physical it's death going, yeah right? but i right. think the soul is also a thing that is growing and developing and always and that's yeah. why like, there's this cycle you know and it's it's why there are old souls it's why you can meet say like a young person and and, and you've worked like, with kids before and and i've worked mm -hmm. with kids and i've met you know i've met students before who were so like wise and brilliant beyond their years and i've met you know 67 year olds who like haven't learned a damn thing they're like still 67 year olds and they're still doing the same a couple of lifetimes uh, you know what I mean so it's just like so I, it makes you think and theorize about these things because you want to you know how do you explain it I don't know but part of what I theorize is like all right well you know maybe that 67 year old who's you know still an alcoholic or hasn't learned this lesson or that lesson or still an asshole in this way or that way they're just a younger soul they've like lived through less shit their soul has been through less shit so even though they're in an, in an older body that soul's like an infant. It hasn't been through a lot yet. Exactly. Maybe this really wise kid has an ancient soul and like, and he's been through it all. He was a, a saint, but he was a, a devil. He was a Nazi. He was all that stuff. He lived through yeah. all the lessons, was all the horrible shit until he got to the point where he can be a more wise, aware soul. And it's crazy because it will like, it'll come through sometimes. You meet like these young people and you're like, how the hell are you so wise and perceptive and i think yeah. we were like that too as kids i think a lot of teachers were shocked by kids like us too who are more perceptive we were already asking these my questions. teachers were not liking me because of it yeah well it won't make you all i think the true teachers will recognize it and love it and appreciate it but the ones who are just you know promoting the matrix system are gonna the matrix will just act through them and try to suppress your creativity and questions exactly exactly uh, or suppress it or strengthen it right uh, and I, I had a lot of that so I remember when I was seven I learned about 
how Jesus flipped the tables in the temple. Yeah, yeah, I love that story. And Money changers, yeah. I feel like that's where 95% of my programming came to some respect, right? Because I've always been like, this is unjust. This is unjust. This is unjust. So that story, like, I was just like, yo, he flipped tables because they were really like, for real, you know, it's, it goes back to this idea of, of righteous anger. That's the thing we have mm-hmm. to remember. It's like a lot of the spiritual community and, and like, I should say the new age, like woo woo community and stuff. A lot of them are just like, oh, love and light just be positive all the time, focus on the positive. And by focusing on the negative, you're just spreading the negative. It's like, no, it's, it's actually the opposite by ignoring the negative and not shining light on it. You're exactly. spreading the negative. Righteous anger is a thing. Like Dr. Yeah. King's a perfect example of that. You know, was he a violent guy? No, he didn't, he didn't want to like hurt people or beat them up, you know, to make his point known. If anything, that was against his point. But when he got up there and spoke, you're like, that guy's mad. <laughs> you know, you're like, that guy's yeah. off. He is tired of the shit. So I yeah. think there, there's something really important about the money changers story. And like you, I think it, it also imprinted on me at a very young age mm-hmm. that righteous anger is an important spiritual attribute. And being spiritual isn't all about just, just being meek and calm and passive all the time. There I are know. times and places for that that are appropriate. And then there are times and places where, where you, you have to be firm. You have to get angry. You have to take a stance. You have to defend. And that is also a, a spiritual trait attribute that, and the real mm-hmm. true spiritual wisdom is knowing when and where to do that. Exactly. Know, exactly. And now, and not only using that as your tool. Yes. Right. Um, that's like when you have no other choice. Um, there was a piece it's a that I, Like you said, it's one of the yeah. tools you can use. You can one be of the angry. Tools. You're allowed right. to. And I feel like a lot right. of people, especially, especially, you know, women, I think a lot of women definitely, or race to kind of just be, you know, you be quiet. You don't, you don't want to rock the boat too much. You know, you want to be more submissive and yeah. subservient. It's, well, it's like, the same with men. They call it toxic masculinity. Sure, but you have to know when it's okay to be assertive. And you have to know that it is okay to be assertive. It is okay to well, say no. And aggression. It's okay, two different things. You know? yeah. And that's the thing. Is yeah. A lot of people, they're just like, well, I just have to be aggressive now because that it's like, okay. Um, like this one priest that I, you know, he said, there's going to be times where you're going to have to physically fight. You might have to. Like, this is a priest, right? He's like, there's going to be times you have to physically fight because you have to defend yourself. But that shouldn't be your only tool. And, right. that, you know, like you have to be assertive, but don't always be aggressive. And there are times you're going to have to be aggressive, but people give into it to a toxic level. But why? Because we've been bombarded in a way that we are not aligned. And so all we know is to act aggressively builds up. rather than assertively, right? I think hmm? it also builds up and people don't, oh, for sure. people don't always have the proper outlets or, you know, mediums in which to express or let the anger out in a healthy, productive way. It's why music and art is so important to me because, you know, I was a very angry kid. I'm still an angry person and, and, but now it's more, it's that righteous anger. And I've had that enemy for a long time, but, you know, growing up gay, being in an urban environment, all that stuff. Like I was an angsty kid. I love metal music. You know, I like all that stuff and music and things like that, painting, writing, like I had very healthy, productive ways to express that anger and that, especially that righteous anger, those things I really felt deep down 
I should be angry about and I wanted to, I wanted to say and speak, you know, but there are so many people out there. I think that just, they don't have ways to deal with that stuff. And it doesn't have to be what I do, right? It could be dancing. It could be cooking. It, it could be meditation. It could be, you know, it could be anything, but you need a medium, something to channel but it overflows and builds up to a point where it it is no longer productive but uh, impeding you and your your progress like look at the school system how they're taking arts and music away that's an outlet i can't believe man this is me um for years they've been eroding away exactly but the thing is all of this has been happening for years yes this is we've been we've been weakened bit by bit by bit by bit by bit Mm -hmm. And some of us knew it and fought against it. And we were told we were crazy, right? Um, you know, I've been told I was crazy plenty of times. I'm like, uh, you know what? Being called crazy is a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Welcome to you the know. club. Welcome, yes. It's a good company, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, definitely, like, never a dull moment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's been happening for so long. Um, and now it's, it's time to, to wake up. Like it's truly time to wake up. Um, but yeah, so let me get back to the appeal process. So that way yeah. <laughs> that was happening here in New York. So, um, people have been doing the medical and the religious now back, I think it was July 26, I believe it was, we all received an email saying that if you chose not to get the medical intervention, you would have to undergo weekly testing, which we were protesting that as well. Me, I don't mind going undergoing the testing as long as it's with my medical provider, because I have, I have past trauma that I cannot, like, if I'm not around someone that makes me feel comfortable, especially with the medical intervention, I lose it. I literally lose it. And then I can't function. And then I can't be there for the kids I'm meant to be there for. So I, my, my, uh, doctor, my medical care provider, um, when she, when I told her about this and she saw how flustered I was, she wrote me a letter. She goes, if you do the testing in the school, she was like, you're, you're going to end up going out on, on medical leave for like mental health issues, because I already see it. She's like, I already see the PTSD kicking in high gear. So she wrote me the letter. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll just do the testing with my doctor. And I'm going to have to fight that because they were fighting me on that. They, they wanted you to do it in the schools. And they were telling you you're going on unpaid leave. And I'm like, I'm not saying I'm not taking it's it. It's supposed I just to frustrate you. safe. It's designed yeah. to, I think. I mean, my principal told me straight up. She goes, you know, this was last year. Fortunately, I was able to go on remote learning. Um, she goes, you know, I'm going to have to put you on unpaid leave. And I'm like, do what you have to do. And I'm going to do what I have to do. Yes. You know? And so, um, so I got that. I got the letter and I was like, okay, fine. Um, I'm, I'm going to do the testing, but with my doctor weekly no problem. Then once it was supposedly approved, which by the way, <laughs> there's a lot of um, evidence there. Uh, I'll have to text you. I can't remember the account, but I'll have to um, send you the account that sure. into. maybe you want to have them on, on your show as well. Yeah. We are looking for new people to talk yeah. to. Them, so. um, they went into depth about this and it was like a, a, a surgeon, uh, an air force surgeon who talks about this, who looked at the documents from this supposed approval and exposes it. Um, so anyways, it was approved. And so then they said, okay, so we're mandating this medical intervention. So we all wrote um, religious, well, not all, but many of us wrote religious exemptions and were being denied, which 
by the Constitution, we're not supposed to be denied, right? right? Because we have religious First Amendment rights. Yeah. Period. So <laughs> we have people who have medical conditions. I, uh, there's a teacher who is now, I guess she's six months pregnant because she wrote to me two weeks ago. She was five and a half months pregnant. It took her four years to get pregnant. She had to undergo IVF. So her pregnancy is high risk. You don't want to mess with the high risk pregnancy. You right. don't want to introduce anything external. And me working with children, I've worked with plenty of children who were, who came from IVF, right? They, they, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of them that have sensory processing issues and what have you. So, you know, I get really concerned with IVF. So you want to make sure that mama is really taken care of, especially if she's undergone that procedure, right? She was denied, even though her doctor said her pregnancy is high risk. We cannot, That's we cannot so risk it. It's so easy. So denied. Okay. Another teacher, brain tumor. Fortunately, it's benign, but it was growing. And now, like, now it's to a size where it's been, it's main, been maintained for a, for a while. The doctor wrote, we cannot risk this because if there's some sort of internal, I mean, external um, substance introduced that could aggravate it, it could grow and it could affect her health. Denied. Wow. Are you kidding me? Um, Killing people, man. Yeah, they don't care. And this is what I'm telling people. The, why do you want to continue working for an organization that blatantly is letting you know, I don't care. Yeah. I literally don't give a flip about you. Why? Why? We should. I should do a, a separate video where I just name and shame these people. Like, we honestly who, should. Who these, are these? These nameless bureaucrats. These like you know career administrators. Like it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It, so who? How many have this authority? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'll have plenty of people who are willing to speak out, right? <laughs> so then there's a religious exemption, which is to be accepted because it is protected under title seven in the constitution the 1964 civil rights act okay um so i write my heartfelt religious exemption i i'm still waiting to hear if it was approved or not um uh, plenty of others have written it have gone through the zoom process so they were initially denied without any explanation it they give you a very generic response they that, want you to give up exactly it. So um, they tell you, you um, that under the applicable law, they could not find an accommodation for you. What law? What law? Can you tell me what law? And um, this up? the criteria. Well, what's the criteria? You told me I needed a letter from uh, uh, a religious leader, which really that's not supposed to be the case at all. They're already breaking the law. Um, so they they want that, then they want you to write a sincere letter. That's the criteria. That's the criteria. Then they don't tell you what in their criteria you didn't meet. So right. they're just saying, give me the criteria and we, we have applicable law. That's it. Then they give you the option to appeal it. So when you appeal it, you can add more information. And then you have a Zoom appeal where you're in a panel of several people and they ask you questions. So some teachers were asked, you know, this if is, this is creepy, man. This it is creepy. Process. And again, this is an absolute, this is not supposed to 
this is not supposed to be. Yeah, you don't none of this, have to prove shit. None of like, this is legal. If you say <laughs> none I of it, none of it is. And this none is of my it. belief and my religion, and it's just it is what it is. Why the hell should I have to sit here and give you all these freaking documents? Trump, they want to frustrate you into giving up. That's what it is. Exactly, exactly. Again, beat you into submission. That's what they want to do. So you have parents, you have teachers being asked, were you vaccinated as a child? And why is it different now? Um, did you give your children any of these medical interventions? And why is that different from this one? Um, how, you know, what religion do you follow? And if the, the higher up of your religion says, that they approve of it, then you have to follow suit. Um, no. So they will ask you all these questions. Me, um, they didn't ask me a lot of questions, actually. I, I don't know if it's because I was, I had a very compelling um, argument. I have no idea. For me, I talked about how science always can prove our divinity. So I talked about something I had just learned and I, I honestly believe the universe of divine led me to find this. There are these things called laminins. Um, they're in all of us, they're in our, very powerful. There are these three glycoproteins woven together in the shape of a crucifix. Okay, what are they called, laminins? Laminins, L-A-M-I-N-I-S. A cross-looking protein. Yes. Oh, high rate. Yeah, it is a cross-looking protein. Is, and so I, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, like all these things, all these symbols that we learn about in the Bible actually live in us, but they, they do it. They make it like it's outside of us, but it's in I us. Think our exactly. whole reality, there we go. I think our, our whole realities in the universe itself is symbolic. Exactly. Um, and it's in it. It's in us. Right. So you have this in us. That's trippy. It, it is sensible. The caduceus. It does. Look yeah. Good. What? Yeah. The, the caduceus the staff, uh, the, the staff symbol for the uh, medicine. The yeah. staff. Ah, uh, yes, that too, right? But they, yeah, yeah. It's like that. That's um, trippy. So this is what I said when I I did my zoom appeal. I said there are three, oh, they're polypeptides, like glycoproteins. There are three polypeptides woven together like a cross. They are described as indispensable building blocks for cellular networks, physically bridging the intracellular from the extracellular compartments and relaying signals critical for cellular behavior. Mm. It is cellular, um, critical. So then I found scripture that spoke to me and it says above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So here we have these three polypeptides that bind us together we need it. It's in the, the shape of a crucifix, mm. right? And then we, we have love that binds us, that it is fundamental. So I, I shared that in my appeal. Um, and I think the, the main person who was um, guiding the appeal was just like, what is that? He's like, let me write this down. <laughs> They're like, this lady's like, crazy. I got to go look this up. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't ask me any questions. So I, I guess I had very, you know, a very compelling opening statement. And I, I, I spoke of being, of, you know, having the Christ consciousness and having a Christ consciousness, you have to speak with compassion and recognize that each of us have the divine in us, right? So when I speak to you, I'm speaking to your divinity, not to what I'm seeing physically. And I asked that they spoke to me and my divinity, right? And we, we spoke with compassion. So 
Yeah. The only it's, thing that they really said was like recognizing um, the being. Exactly. Yeah. Like just the whole being, right? Yeah. And so um then one of the, the people on the panel was like, well, you know, what what do you identify? And I just said Christian, you know, I don't I don't I don't identify with any specific religion, but I just can I'm I walk in the Christ consciousness. You could be non-denominational. Exactly. Even the freaking business. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And so she was like, well, you know, all these organized religions, they are supporting it. And I'm just like, well, I, I'm, I'm Christian. Like, you know, I'm not following any of those organized uh, religions. Um, and, you know, I had an attorney with me um, and she's the same attorney has been helping a lot of people. And, you know, she didn't really have to say much because I was just like, I can speak, I, I can do this. And I would tell them about how I live my life and how I don't want to create suffering. And by taking this intervention, I'm okay with the suffering that was caused in making it. You know, the, the H-E-K lines, the aborted fetal cell lines that were used in, in the production of it. Um, and then I talked about how fetal cell lines are used in other products such as Pepsi. Um, and why I won't even drink Pepsi because it's a violation of my Christ consciousness. And so I said, if you guys all went out to dinner with me and I told him, I said, if you ever went out to dinner with me, you guys will all go crazy. And they <laughs> like, like looked at me, I said, because I asked if there's fish, where was it fished? Who fished it? <laughs> what was it fished by slaves? The was it fished by- lab girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, if it's beef, how was it? Was it grass fed? Was it uh, humanely killed? Have you ever seen Portlandia? This is reminding me of that. I think it was the first episode. I've, I've seen it, but I haven't seen like that episode. Yeah, but in so the I episode, said, they, they, they're like these guests basically at the restaurant and they start doing, uh -huh. this. they start inquiring, asking every single little question to the way yeah. about where the food came from, how is it raised? And then yeah. eventually they go to like visit the farm itself to see where the cow that they're about to eat. Okay, me! <laughs> what you have to do these and days. But it's they, so hard. But anyway, they, they end up like getting stuck there and staying there because the farmer like as a cult leader and then they end up joining his cult and then, oh, no. and then all these years pass by they like get out of the cult and then like it ends with them going back to the restaurant and asking about a different dish <laughs> it's it hilarious though it's really funny they're, they're, yeah um those guys like they're great writers um but yeah so i i was like my clothing i'm like even my clothing is it fair trade is it this i'm like because i just i want the world to live as purely as possible like it's also I, your prerogative too you know it's like yeah. the fact that they're they're here even probing for all these details like whether you whether you're like i'm not saying you don't believe this stuff or not but i'm saying whether you do or not they can't prove that and it's not their yeah. freaking business like we shouldn't even have to explain this crap it's like look yeah. i don't want that in me i don't feel like i need it it goes against my values and my beliefs I'm not going to sit here and explain and elaborate all of those values and beliefs to you for you to believe me. It's just no should be a good enough answer. But it's not for these authoritarians. It's like a little bit of a show trial too, almost. It, it is a little show trial. It reminds me of the it reminds me of the NKVD like um, interrogations and stuff from like communist freaking Russia or something. Yeah, it's the it's, Spanish Inquisition. It's yeah, the Salem witch hunt. It's original, all of it. Same energy. So, all of it. So <laughs> I haven't gotten my response, but this is what people are going through, and I'm. Some people are just being denied flat out without having a Zoom appeal. 
And I'm just like, okay, you have to write them and ask them if it was a clerical error. And you have to like be, you can't just say, you didn't give it to me. This is unjust because then they, they just get offended. Like everyone gets offended so easily. It's like, oh my God, like we, yeah. The snowflake Last culture. Generation. Um, they want you to so, give up. Like I said, they, they, it definitely seems that way. They want you to jump. Oh yeah. Around. Because they want you to give up and, and take the intervention. So a lot of teachers have this past week. They have. And I'm like, nothing is worth sacrificing your soul. I'm, I'm sorry. Nothing is worth sacrificing your soul. You can't get it back. You, you're not going to get your health back the same. There are things you can do. And I honestly believe, I honestly, honestly, honestly believe that everyone can overcome the ill effects of this medical intervention. I really do. But you and have to be so man. extremely dedicated. It's not just going to come from another, from another allopathic intervention you have to do things spiritually i mean i have my singing bowl i have um i'm listening to music at 432 stress stress is something that i haven't heard stress talked about like really at all by any of these people talking about medical interventions and all of that and just how important your stress level is in relationship to your immune system and your your body's ability to fight things off and defend itself it's exactly but yes get your singing bowls out listen to some good music hang out with your friends go outside do a lot of things do a lot of things and also cleanse 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 you have i've told people i'm like oh now that you took the shot um you know you have to completely change your diet you have to completely change your lifestyle well but I like to drink I'm like well then I don't know do you love do you love your life or do you love Budweiser more I don't know which one do you prefer you know um because it is your life and I've told people I'm like we all choose the path and our coffins we all choose our coffins you know so crazy too it's like so many of these people who are pro mandate pro you know all this stuff like man, as soon as they find out you don't want the shot, they will like wish death upon you. Like have fun with your ventilator. Well, more room for us or, you know, like watch your, I hope they deny you medical care. So, cause you're going to be picking up useful beds for people who needed it or whatever. It's just like, and then you got people like us and like you, and it's like, we're the opposite. Like, yeah, we didn't get the shot, but when we know people who got it, or we talk to people who got it, our first reaction is concern. We, we're, yeah. we're, we're not going to tell you like, Hey, we hate you now. Cause you got, you got this thing and we disagree with you for getting it. We're going to ask, like, I hope you're okay. That's our first reaction is yeah. like, we hope you're okay. We genuinely just hope you're okay. We're not going to get it. And if you got it, whatever i hope you weren't forced or coerced and if you were that sucks i hope you're fine but a yeah, lot and of the ones, a lot of the ones pushing this stuff in an authoritarian way not only do they like not hope we're okay they're like even wishing death upon us like they want us to just die for not getting it i and have my fact uncle. that we're still here and not sick yeah. angers them so much yeah like, my uncle fight you you people yeah my, most of my family is on, on board, but my uncle, I said, you know, Theo, I might lose my job. He goes, good. Wow. Good. Fucked, man. He said, because you're putting me at risk. I said, how am I putting you at risk? I was like, you drank and smoked your whole life. You put yourself at risk. <laughs> They're hypocrites. He knows, like, you know, he's in Puerto Rico. I'm like, you saw how hard I worked. I came to Puerto Rico to, to create workshops for parents. You saw that I came three times Anytime I had a break from work, I would work like crazy, 50, 60 hours a week, then go to Puerto Rico, work 
like I, I maybe would get four hours of sleep because I was work, work, working, working, going to, diff to different towns to find a place where I could work with families and get families together and then fly back home and then fly back. And when I would fly back for those two weeks just to the workshops, I was sleeping maybe an average of four to five hours preparing these workshops to help these families who have no means to a therapist like me. And you're telling me that I deserve to lose my job. Meanwhile, I've been taking care of my body. I mean, I remember I even asked him if he would eat spinach with me. I was like, oh, I have these spinach pies. You want some spinach pie? He goes, espinaca. Ugh. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, you wouldn't even eat spinach, but now you want me to take this poison? They what? convinced them that all you need to be healthy at this point is your approved shot by the state. And that's yeah. it. You don't got to do anything else. You're now protected. It's like, dude, yeah. your, your health is your responsibility. No one else exactly. at the end exactly. of the day. So. It's, it's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. But, you know, I, I keep on pushing on. I, I told him, I was like, I love you. I don't like you right now. I really don't like you because, you know, I, I would take a bullet for the work that I do. No yeah, problem. You're, you're, I, have, I, I have literally ran out of buildings when they were shootouts. And okay? you're here supporting me losing my livelihood. And, and then, yes. Um, so, you know, but it, it exposes so much. And I'm, I'm just... I'm doing my best to expose the truth, but then also focus on love and, and the yeah, unity. I think, look, I think what you're doing is awesome. Me and Brent love it. We, we're, you know, we're proud to even know you now. I think it's amazing. Oh, it's <laughs> awesome. Seriously. So I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up a bit here. Cause man, we've been talking like two hours already. It's, yeah. it's so interesting <laughs> well, and it's refreshing. Yeah, I love these conversations. I love being able to talk to open-minded different people and, you know, and you're, you're on the front lines still. You're over there in New York. You're dealing with all this crap. Yeah. So I guess the, the last thing I'll ask you is like, you know, what are your, I guess, your future plans in regards to the fight ahead? Are you planning on leaving the city? Are you planning on staying there? Because they might force you out when it comes to this stuff. Yeah. And then if, if you're forced out, like, what would your next steps be? Like, what are your plans? How are you going to pivot? If right. Oh, it's so way, you know? I have family in Florida, so I may, I, that may be an option. Yes. But right now, it's, I'm trying to help teachers, um, like, we're going to file complaints with the EEOC, we're going to file an SF95 form, which everyone should do. Um, it doesn't, it just shows that people who are in positions of power are violating their authority. Is this, and, sorry, is this specific to New York City? No, everywhere. Okay. Yeah. I mean, send me these details too. I'm going to send you details for sure. I'll forward this stuff to my friend. He might need to know this. Stuff. Sure. Everyone should oh, be doing this are. because they have to get this in mass. So um, uh, filing certain documents like uh, the notice of, uh, I think it's liability. So I'm, I'm organizing this with someone else. And then I'm going to have workshops for teachers so that we can come in together and like have like a happy hour so they can kind of have some reprieve and, and just being good company, but we're all doing these forms together because the collective energy, the synergistic power of it, I believe will make incredible shifts. So I'm encouraging people to do it everywhere. Do it together as a group because when you're doing it together, you're giving it more power. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing here now, presently. Um, what I'm going to do for the future, I'm also starting a business, um, which it's very hard to start the business when you're doing so much activism, but it's me being an occupational therapist. So I am the conscious OT. I am not just looking at your child physically, which there's a lot of 
therapies and a lot of interventions that look at your child physically. But I want parents to understand the importance of your child's spirituality, your child's, you know, um, mind, the connection with your child, emotional your spirituality, yeah. um, the food, all of it. So I'm sorry. It's like the many dimensions of health. The many dimensions. So um, I'm preparing a, a four month coursework for parents who want to do this and actually learn what they can do at home, like empowering the parents, teaching them to fish rather than giving them the fish. Yes. Um, uh, I will be starting a YouTube channel. Oh yeah, share. do it. It's a lot of work. It's so much work. With is, yeah, I understand that. I understand. I don't even know how you're juggling all this stuff you're juggling. I, I don't have children. That's what it, the thing is. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, and that helps. But I do devote a lot of my time to working with parents. So I'm supposed to work with my EI sessions only a half an hour, right? And there are times where I stay there an hour and a half because I'm helping parents write their religious exemption. Right. I'm literally working with their baby and I'm like, okay, that's good. That's good. No, no, no. You got to change that. You know, working here. Okay. 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 No, no, no. Take that out. You know? So um, I'm combining my, my work with, you know, my activism and, you know, a lot of the parents that I work with are actually um, on board with me, thankfully. And um, they are so grateful that I, give them information I'm like oh I have something else for you while I'm working with the baby I want you to watch it because I know once I leave you're gonna have to you know make dinner tend to the kids you're not gonna have time this is your time of reprieve watch it now I'm and while I'm with the baby um so doing that um and yeah developing the business developing the the classes uh and just really helping parents acknowledge their power because we are all powerful beings. But when you're a parent, my God, the power that you have, the power that you don't even realize. The responsibility uh, too is Oh my goodness. Insane. This, yeah, this one mom wrote, I, I, I love this. I, I have to send this to you. Um, she wrote, I think it was on Twitter or something. She, I guess was being yelled at or was hearing people talk very loudly. And she goes, I literally have a portal that brings souls into this world. <laughs> you better lower you, your mother F voice from talking to me. I love it. So like, I, I was just like, oh my God, that's so true. Moms are literally portals yeah. that it, allow for these incredible beings yeah. to grace our planet and yep. to make this world a better place. It, it's powerful as hell you know when you really sit down and contemplate it and think about it you're like holy crap it's like yes the two energies come together to make the life but it's like the woman's body is that portal through which the life is like entering this experience yeah. it's not, like yeah. be a portal and to know that you are a portal like more yeah. women I think think about it in that way I, I never I mean I've always seen mothers as very powerful because yes life is created in them and they deliver life but like when she says, I am a portal, I was just like, oh my God, yeah. It's true, it's true though. It's, you're not just creating life. It's like, we are life and life is manifesting through you. It's coming through you. You know, exactly. from where, I don't know. That's the big mystery, right? It's like, where does yeah. the portal come from? I don't know. It's just, you got it there. and You got it, you, you got it. So, so that's what I'm working on. And if I have to, to move to another state, it's going to be this, workshop is going to be online. Um, I also want to do more thorough evaluations for families where I go into their homes and 
we discuss, like I will look in their cabinets and be like, okay, this is what's not good. This is what's actually making your environment more toxic. That's smart. Contributing to sensory processing problems. Um, uh, I am purchasing an EMF reader and I've been working with people who are more savvy with EMF because to have someone come and actually look at your home for EMF stuff costs a lot of money. So it's like, I'm, I may not have the certification, but I can tell you, don't put your child's play area here. Don't put your child's bed here. Don't put your bed there because that's where you're going to be exposed to the most radiation. And it's going to affect your DNA, your mitochondria. It's going to affect your overall well-being. And a third of your life is sleeping, right? So let's protect a third of your life. Um, and also talking about dirty Your methods are unique. I don't think I've, I've heard of someone assisting a parent in this sort of way, especially going through their cabinets and things like that are so important. Like going through yeah. the cabinets and being like, what you have why do. you got the Cheetos here and the Cheez-Its and like you're, you're, you're letting not, not, not say why, but not necessarily saying why. But well, once in a while, but like, I think it's the, the lack of discipline. It's like, yeah, once in a while, the kid can have some Cheetos or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just the, Every the parent, once in a while. The parent, and then detox. Just make sure you detox. Yeah, <laughs> detox. Well, it's discipline, you know, when and where and making sure that it's just not all the time where there's just free access all the time where the kid is just eating whatever the hell they want. It's like, And a lot of my kids are eating whatever the hell they want. Because like, yeah. this is why we are seeing like any of the kids that have died from the dreaded cough virus from what I understand, they had pre-existing conditions of some sort, or they were severely overweight. Yes, and obesity That's has gone up. I, all my all the kids that I've worked with, I've noticed they're they're um, they look well nourished. They confined them inside. They confined exactly. them. They weren't going outside. They weren't playing with other kids. They weren't playing sports. They weren't running around. They. That's what, what do you think is going to happen? The adults too. Like I have a lot of my exactly. friends who are like, oh, I put on. You know, I've lost weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've always had. Because I changed my diet. I changed my diet to reduce my inflammation. Now I'm like, I need to gain weight because none of my pants fit me. I'm hovering um, around the way I like right now. So I'm happy with, with like 140, but keeping weight on has always been an issue for me. So I had to go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's what I'm working on, just helping here. And then if I get pushed out, um, it's the, it's the universe letting me know this is not where I'm meant to be. Just got to readjust, man. And I just got to pivot, um, and focus on being stronger rather than being pushed into submission. Um, so, um, I'm excited for developing the business. Um, I'm working with a videographer who also lost his job because he refused the job. So it's like, you know, we're supporting each other. That's um, got to do it, man. That's yeah. And so. I'm excited. I just, I have to just be more disciplined with my time. Um, but the activism is very important because, you know, I went to the event yesterday where I was saying Dr. Karen Madej was and all these other magnificent, uh, magnificent um, speakers were, and I will send you the flyers. So maybe you could reach out to them and have them on the show. Sure. Um, um, I had people come up to me that I didn't know. And they're like, you're play for promise. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I listen to your 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 videos and it helps me and like it makes me feel so good because I I didn't think I had much of a voice I didn't think I had that power we never like, do I'm very emotional now I know like, I can see your eyes glassing yeah so it's like crazy. you know when I was nine my grandmother told me that I was meant to speak truth right and I thought my grandmother was crazy Grandma's not crazy, they know. Right, she was just like, you know, she was like, Raquelita, 
you know, you're different. You're not like other children. Um, and there's going to come a time where you're going to be so disliked for speaking a truth that everyone needs to hear. And she said, you must promise me that you will always speak your truth. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm nine. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> no, 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 you must promise me you're going to speak your truth. You're, you're going to have a very hard time. It, people are going to hate you, but your mission is to speak truth. So always speak truth. And she's like, promise me, promise me, promise me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. And so when all this started happening, I was like, abuela, that's, this is what you were warning me about. Time is here, grandma. <laughs> yeah. As you know, so, I saw it. Yeah. Well, my grandmother was an intuitive. Um, so, you know, um, I'm here speaking my truth. So when people are just like, thank you. I'm like, thank God my grandmother made sure I was aware of that. Drilled that in at an early age. Yeah. Yeah. At nine years old. Well, I don't even know if it's a matter of like she, because I think you would have did it anyway. It's like she just saw it. You know, she realized it was already there in you. And it was almost like she was giving you a warning because when you're a truth teller, yes, life is going to be more difficult for you. When you're, oh, yeah. Life is like it is. You point out what you see, you don't, you don't dance around it. Like people, it upsets they don't them. like that they don't like it they don't like their illusions shattered they don't like how dare you challenged. so it inevitably like someone who is a seeker type of person or an old soul in that sense yeah you're gonna have a difficult time in this realm which is full of so much illusions and lies but it, it's part of being here it's part of the point of being here is the lesson yeah. it, right is learning to see through the lies and the illusions and not just that if you're an old soul like your point of being here is to help other people who might be having a more difficult time seeing exactly. the illusions and maybe guiding them dropping a, a little nugget here or a little nugget there for someone who might need it and you know yeah. stumble so, upon on their own path you know yeah so i'm, I'm grateful that um i'm finding my voice more and more um, and not allowing people to violate me, you know? Um, you're so, doing great, man. You're, thank you. you're doing, thank you guys. doing great. This is our origin story. I keep telling Brent, Brent that, but you know, not just for us, but like for all these other people that we're talking to and connecting with and stuff, there's a wave. I don't know what the hell this is. We're supernovas. Well, according to astrologers, we're super. Yeah, I think we're, we're like antibodies too. We're like you know, we're like some like the Earth's natural or humanity's natural immune system or something. Yeah, yeah, we're right blood cells. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, I think we're we're all finding the path that we should be on, and it's our origin story. I think this is still the beginning. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I think uh, yeah. it's good to have a team. It's good to feel like. There's people in We're our corner. We're not alone. Shout out your uh, your Instagram again. Yeah, where can people find oh, you? Play for promise. Play with the number four promise. You'll know by it's the block, like the child's block that they play with. So that's my Instagram um, handle. And, and Twitter, I, I have to spell the other one, huh? I think it's on Twitter too. It's the same handle. Twitter, uh, but I'm not very active on Twitter. Facebook, and I will be. I have to start another handle just specifically for working with children because it's, you have to keep the activism and, and that a little separate. Um, I have to start that profile, but it's play for promise, play with the number four promise. 
Um, and oh yeah, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping this this works out. So uh, yesterday um, there is a nonprofit, and I have I'll send you all whatever I have because it's good for you guys to to reach out to these people. Um, they're going into communities, uh, marginalized communities, and and helping families. So I'm I'm hoping that I can continue my nonprofit work with them, where it's like they find families who have children under the age of to five help, to help connect. You. And I can say, okay, I'm going to do this, this workshop. And we're going to talk about the developmental milestones. And if they miss the developmental milestones, you're going to have to do more work, but it's not impossible. And this is what you need to know. So I'm, I'm hoping that that works out so I can continue doing that being that I can't go into the shelters. I mean, I'm still delivering goods to shelters. Like people are just like, Hey, I have stuff to donate. I have a uh, formula and I'm like, okay, I'll contact a shelter or a church that works with like really uh, marginalized communities and, and, going there and, and delivering the, the items. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to working with this organization and putting it out there in the universe, working with this organization and, and um, providing more support to these families um, with Play for Promise and then you know developing the conscious OT at the same time. So there's a lot, um, it's just, I just wanna give as much love as possible. You are something <laughs> Raquel, you are really something. God bless you, seriously. May God bless and protect us all. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for sharing your experiences. Um, I think shit is just going to get more difficult, to be honest. And this isn't over. It, I think it will get worse before it gets better, unfortunately. Oh, for sure. And I'm not it, trying to be a doomsayer or anything, but I'm just, you know. Stop flooding, Daniel. Not flooding. I'm just calling it like it is. But, you know, at least there's people like you in the fight. And, you know, keep us updated. We'd love to have you come on yeah. again and, and talk about any new things going on projects so let me just close with walter mercado's words go for it um les deseo paz y mucho mucho amor <laughs> love it yeah cheers to that man i love walter <laughs> raquel right. play for promise guys thanks for watching i'm dan i'm brentley yeah, and this was an awesome episode. Again, thank you so much for coming on. We will be in touch, Raquel. Yes, we will. Take See care, ya. guys.